I'm the author of uh, the book Crude Blessings. Crude Blessings. Boy, I tell you what, here on The Crude Life and Crude Oil, my guess is this book has something to do with oil and gas. What do you think? Yeah, well, my my dad was a kind of a pioneer in the oil and gas industry and uh, uh, built a drilling company in the late 70s, uh, with starting with one rig. And uh, today, the, the, that same company has almost 300 rigs, and it's worth uh, over $4 billion of market cap. So uh, definitely a, a kind of an, uh, uh, a neat success story. Yeah, it certainly sounds like it. Let's talk a little bit about your background, if, if you wouldn't mind a little bit. Um, you know, oil and gas is a, kind of a niche area, even though it, you know, it powers so much of what we do. And, you know, I think it was the only sector that added jobs over the last decade. But uh, to, you know, go into depth like this, into detail, there's not a lot really like this from the kind of the humanistic side of things. So talk to me about your background with oil and gas. Uh, you know, I grew up in the industry once Dad uh, founded the company. Um, you know, early on, early in, in my life, uh, my dad was a school teacher and a basketball referee. He had worked his way through college uh, roughnecking uh, and uh, knew a lot about uh, the oil and gas industry, but never really had any designs on coming back to it. And um, his brother-in-law and he got to talking over Thanksgiving turkey in 1977 and decided to get into uh, back into the business and then to start a drilling company with one rig. So as I was growing up, that's really all I ever knew. Um, I, I uh, had designs to uh, you know, in high school to, to leave the industry just like dad did. I wanted out, uh, you know, I'm working uh, in high school uh, for my dad and and even as a young kid for my dad in the oil field, I thought, man, this is tough work. It's hard work. I'd, I'd, I'd rather do anything but this. Um, so I was set out to be a doctor and uh, went to college to be a physician. And it uh, wasn't until kind of right at the end of my undergraduate degree that I decided, man, I'm, I really don't want to be a doctor and I'm not going to be a very good one because my, I think my bedside manner wasn't very good. And, uh, you know, and I had the call. I had I, I felt the pull of the oil and gas industry. There's a lot of nostalgia with it. And once it's in your blood, it, it's it's hard to get rid of. And uh, and and I felt drawn back to the industry, and and so that's what I did. I went, I I decided not to go to medical school and um, went back to work for uh, Caterpillar, uh, actually in their uh, engine division, the uh, uh, large industrial engine, oil field engines um, in particular. And uh, it wasn't long after that that Patterson Drilling, uh, by then was a about a eighty rig company, um, went had gone on a buying spree. They had accessed the public markets and had gone and done an IPO in 1993. And by 1997, they were really busy trying to consolidate the drilling market. And my dad talked me into coming back to work for the company at that time. And I stayed there four years, uh, or almost four years, had a, had a great experience working for uh, Patterson, working for my family. Um, learned a ton about running not only a drilling company and an oil and gas company, but a, but a, a public company on top of that. Um, but uh, later, uh, right before the UTI-Patterson uh, merger, um, I decided that I wanted to go out on my own. Um, and uh, really start 
uh, treading my own water and you know doing doing my own uh, path. And so I went out and started some businesses, uh, oil filter related, uh, on my own. Um, and I uh, did that for about five years when I uh, decided to sell those businesses and, and to really cash out. Um, I really didn't know what I was going to do next. And but but. Uh, the company I work for today, Basic Energy Services, had become a very large client of mine. Uh, I built a lot of equipment for them and um, had gotten to know the CEO uh, very well, and, and so he and I were friends, and he talked me into coming to work for the company, um, and the rest is history. Now I run that company today, and now I'm the CEO of that company and have been since 2013, so been here almost uh, almost 13 years, and uh, it, it's, it's been a great choice. I'm glad I, I chose BASIC as a, as a home. BASIC uh, was a lot like Patterson Drilling in the, in the um, uh, early days, uh, very uh, employee-minded, very uh, similar ethics, similar uh, you know kind of integrity and core values uh, to the company, and that attracted me. Uh, so um, you know I was used to that with Pat Patterson, and um, so when I came to Basic, um, it was it was it was like uh, riding a bike. You know I I, uh, I enjoyed how uh, similar the companies were, and so it was a, it was a it was a shoe that just fit, and uh, you know, little by little, I kept uh, moving up to the ranks at Basic, and uh, and then, like I say, I became CEO at, at uh, in 2013 at at the age of 39. So, if you became CEO at the age uh, 2013, you've been uh, overseeing the integration of technology. Is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the the the, the business has has changed so much in the last. Um, Three to, to five years, it's incredible. Um, the business is so, so different. Uh, you know, hardly do we do we do any vertical work today. It's all horizontal, long lateral um, uh, wells. That, you know, the new wells that are coming on. Now we still do a lot of work to those older vertical wells, but, but all of the new wells and all the technology that's advanced in the industry, it's mind blowing. Um, what we how different the, the the industry is just in just in a three to five year span uh just a couple other questions about the industry and then we'll get into your book uh as long as i got the wealth of knowledge on the line here roe patterson with us and um the job market has changed significantly too the the advent of technology has really changed changed the um job market you mentioned the kind of disappearing or the niche industry that vertical wells have become we used to joke five years ago that when the technology started coming in these guys ain't slinging chains anymore i mean have you have you noticed much about the change of the workforce you know it, it definitely has changed it it always it, it, it's always a, a kind of a, a strange dynamic you know every, every time i think that that the, the oil field has really changed there's there's still so much that's the same uh but but Definitely the, the caliber of employee and the knowledge that they have to have and their abilities uh, has changed. Um, and so uh, the, the employees in our industry are very adaptable. Um, and, and as the technology has, uh, you know, the, that level has increased, the employees matched it uh, with their skill set. So um, I, 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 it always amazes me to see how um, our, our industry rises to any kind of challenge or, or uh, 
you know, technological advancement. Um, our folks, uh, in particular, have just done a fantastic job of, of uh, changing with the times. But we definitely do more automation. We keep people, uh, you know, hands and fingers uh, out of harm's way much more than we used to. Uh, like you say, slinging chains is, a, is kind of a thing of the past. It definitely is. Uh, now, you know, we still have people get hurt uh, because people still find a way to, uh, you know, do something that they shouldn't do. But but uh, but as an industry, by and large, we've really gotten better at um, uh, trying to keep uh, all of our workers out, out of harm's way and to automate our systems as much as possible uh, so that uh, we don't have those opportunities where anyone can get hurt. It's been quite an evolution over the past five, six, seven years, decade, if you will, just uh, with the technology, the changing workforce from the, like you mentioned, the automation, the safety requirements to the safety procedures, everything that goes with it. Um, let's transition over to crude blessings a, a little bit. Uh, you, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but uh, let's focus on the book a little bit. Um, what, what, just to start with a basic one, what was your inspiration behind writing the book? Well, I just thought it was a great story. I was actually talking to my kids one day. Uh, I had an eighteen-year-old son and a sixteen-year-old daughter, and I was talking to them about their grandfather and you know, kind of the legacy and, uh, of, of starting a, a one-rig company that ended up being you know three hundred rigs strong and uh, the second-largest drilling contractor in the world. And and uh, you know, kind of how that all developed, and it, it struck me because they just didn't know pieces and parts of the story as much as I I wanted them to, and had hoped they would. And, um, you know, it dawned on me that so much had happened uh, uh, of that story when they were, weren't even alive or, or when they were very young. And I thought, you know, this is just a, that's, that's a mistake. It's, it's one of these things that people should know this story, not, not just my kids and my family, but everyone should know this story. It's just because it's a fantastic story. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a it's a life, uh, you know, dad's life was full of, of lots of trials and, uh, and some tribulation. And, um, you know, as for, for all the success, there were lots of hurdles and lots of failures too. And, and you learn more probably from the failures than you do from anything else. And, uh, you know, and overcoming all kinds of adversity, uh, and dad had a lot in his life. Um, but he had a lot of success too. And, uh, and this, this mantra of, of doing the right thing and always doing the right thing, uh, is a little bit lost in our society today. Um, you know, I don't hear as much of that integrity and, uh, you know, morality uh, talk as as I think I heard when I was growing up. I don't hear enough of that today, of, you know, treating people like you want to be treated and really taking care of people in the business space. Um, because if you can do that at work and you can do that in your business, then, you know, it'll follow you into your personal life, too. And uh, you don't hear enough of that, you know. You, you hear about a lot of cutthroat kind of um, edgy business practices out there and not a lot of this, um, you know, camaraderie and what's good for everyone, you know, should be good for everyone, et cetera. And, um, and if it's not good for everybody, then let's don't do it, you know, that kind of, and that's the way dad ran his business. That's the way he ran his life. Um, you know, it didn't matter whether you're talking about his dealings with competitors, with customers, with vendors, uh, or his employees who were, who were so important to him. Um, he treated them the same way. Um, you know, I can remember, I did in the book, uh, one of his competitors showing up in his yard and needing a, a vital piece of equipment because his 
particular piece of equipment had failed and he was in a bind he was in a huge bind he couldn't he couldn't get that piece of equipment from any vendor and, and he knew dad had a spare piece of uh, this particular equipment and and dad gave it to it without thinking you know he, he loaned him the piece of equipment without thinking you know here's a competitor you know somebody he's outbidding against every day for work and and with, you know without a moment's hesitation he gave this guy a piece of equipment didn't ask for a nickel didn't ask for any rent he just he just gave it and and that's that's something that I think is missing in uh, in business today and in, in our lives and our, our society today you know those that kind of thought um, and process uh, and so that was so that that's part of the story and, and I wanted to share it and I wanted people to hear it and uh, you know um, and I wanted to memorialize uh, you know uh, a guy that I think did, did a good job of, uh, of just life. Well, I certainly think that's a relevant topic or subject matter, if you will, that part of the story where you're talking more about integrity and um, just some basic uh, um, good old-fashioned, honest, ethical capitalism, if you will. And, and the reason I wrote that down was because just uh, last week we were having a conversation about a dozen of us were and it was the the words were uttered that we wondered if honesty was considered a weakness in today's world. People who were honest were considered weak. And um, kind of listening to some of the things you were talking about there, it kind of went in line with that. Where uh, it, it it seems like we're getting to that point now. And I'm looking at the the recap of your book, and you've got the word faith in there. How important is uh, faith in the oil industry? I've, I've argued for a long time that it's, it's a very important vein of the industry. Did, did, you mentioned in your book is the only reason I, I bring it up. You care to comment on that part of it? Um, you know, it, I think you're right. It's very important um, in our industry, um, probably in our industry in particular. Um, you know, when you have uh, the kind of cycles that we go through, uh, you know, ups and downs, you, you, you dang sure pray a lot, uh, you know, to get through these bad patches. Uh, you know, it, uh, for Dad, I'll just say that faith was a tough thing. Um, he didn't come to faith until the end of his uh, life. And really, the sickness that he developed uh, uh, through Alzheimer's um, is, is one of the one of the bright spots and the silver lining of that disease was that it brought him to faith. Um, and uh, you know, one of the things I talk about in the book is that it shouldn't take a disease, you know, to break you down. Um, you should want to you should want to uh, you know find your faith and find your uh, your relationship with God. Earlier than that, it shouldn't. It shouldn't take a disease to get you there. It did for dad, but it, it, it should for everyone. Um, and uh, but, but I think in our industry, by and large, you know, faith is not talked about a lot. It's a little bit um, uh, whatever you not PC uh, to, to talk about faith openly. Uh, but I I would say in my industry and in my experience. Um, uh, men and women of faith are more prevalent than than anyone what can imagine. So, um, you know, I think when it, when it is discussed and it is out there for discussion, I find uh, our industry is full of uh, believers. Another part of the book that I find interesting is the um, growing up in a, I guess, an oil industry household. You know, um, in today's world of startups and 
you know, startups are different now than they were 20 years ago even. Uh, the old, uh, take the Apple. Those guys started in a garage. It wasn't until they got a couple hundred Gs till they got rolling. And, um, you know, a lot of times the oil and gas companies are kind of like that. By They just have to be because the fluctuation of oil prices go up and down so much that, you know, by the time you feel comfortable to leave, live a lavish life, well, oil prices are down and now you're eating beans and rice again. So you try to balance it is what I'm saying. But um, what, what, what do you make about like today's current startup culture and just kind of what you grew up with, your interpretation of what, you know, a business is and then what we're kind of with today? Well, I think the two, well, the thing that I would say is the biggest difference is the where the capital sources are today versus where they were, um, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Um, you know, uh, 20, 30 years ago, when you needed capital for a startup, you either went and raised money from, you know, a few close and personal friends or associates that would, would invest with you, or you went to the bank, or you did both, which is the way Patterson got started. Uh, you know, they... They, they raised a little bit of equity um, and some and some startup working capital from a few small investors, and then they went and, and borrowed the rest uh, from a commercial lender. Uh, that's not the way most entrepreneurial efforts get started today. Today, private equity, these big private equity firms, who have multiple limited partnerships, uh, limited partners that are that are that are investing in these big private equity outfits. They're the ones that fund, um, you know, the majority of the startups and the entrepreneurial efforts within our industry, both on the exploration and production company side and on the service company side where I'm at. That is extraordinarily different, Um, mainly because they don't have any kind of lending restrictions. They don't have any kind of uh, obstacles that they have to jump through. They really don't most of the time don't have to raise a bunch of, of private capital or equity uh, to get funded. You know, it's all funded by the, by the PE firm. Um, and so that's a different, that's a different animal. Uh, you see ownership and, and, and people who develop these businesses have less and less skin in the game. Uh, you know, when dad was starting a company, you know, his butt was on the line. He, 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 he wrote the check, you know, and, and he personally guaranteed the notes. So did my uncle, Claus Talbot. And so their entire livelihood was at risk, um, you know, along with the fate of the company and the fate of the investors who had put money into the into the company. You don't see that today. Today, it's really just the private equity that has uh, money at risk, and a lot of the principal players within the companies, they don't have a lot of skin in it. Uh, it's, it's certainly not their lot, their whole livelihood or their whole uh, fortunes that are you know are invested. They don't have personal guarantees, so. Um, you know their rear ends aren't, aren't on the line like they used to be um, back in back in those days. So I think those are the two biggest differences I see is, is how the you know how people get their money and get their capital today uh, so much different than than how it was uh, back when Dad got started. What do you think people will take away from when they read this book, and uh, what did you take away from when you wrote it? For me, it was extraordinarily therapeutic. I mean, I, I lost dad in 2015 to, to Alzheimer's, you know, uh, after a nine-year battle, and it was sad. Um, I, I miss him greatly, uh, you know, running a company today. I wish I had his, uh, you know, his ear and his, and his advice. 
sometimes today because he always had good advice and, and uh, would always keep you kind of, uh, you know, back to your roots of, of doing what's right and, and always making that, you know, kind of first and foremost in your thought process. So I miss him. And uh, the, writing the book was therapeutic for me. It's, it felt good. And a lot of tears, um, but a lot of laughs too uh, uh, in putting the book together. Uh, uh, I hope most people, when they read it, I hope it's just a good story. I hope it's inspirational that there's nothing in your life that you can't overcome. Um, and there's nothing in your life uh, that is, you know, it's going to keep you from um, facing a new day and the next day. So no matter how bad that the, the trial are, uh, trials are, there's there's tribulation uh, around the corner if you just, um, you know, put your put your uh, uh, nose down and, and and get back to work. And that's you know that's kind of what Dad always did when he get a when he faced a, an obstacle, he. he he just pursued it with uh, an unbelievable amount of passion and and, uh, and hard work, um, never giving up on his on his principles and his values uh, of of doing the right thing. But he would just grind it out, and uh, and he he succeeded. Both, you know, he, he you know um, he succumbed to Alzheimer's, but he beat Alzheimer's too. And uh, you know, he he had tough. You know, almost went broke a couple of times in the drilling business, but he beat it. You know, and um, and the book's about how that happens for for one person. And so, um, and then you know, he had a hard relationship with God, and he won in the in the end. You know, um, and uh, and uh, I hope people just take some inspiration from that for their own lives, and uh, and and that uh, Dad's way of. Of, of doing business can can uh, be one that people want to emulate. Is this just for the oil industry, or or can it uh, oh, no. extend outside no, of this, it? This is a book about business. I mean, it, it, it's a book about life, um, and I, I actually say that in in, in the book. You know, it it, it doesn't matter where you're, whether you're in the oil field or any field. Um, all of these core principles um, are uh, are important. And uh, so, no, the book is not just for the oil industry, and it's not just about the oil industry. It's just about life. And, um, you know, I hope, uh, you know, it's about being a good dad. It's about being a, uh, you know, a hard worker. It's about it's about treating people ethically. You know, it's 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 kind of, you know, it's a book about faith. It's, 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 uh, it's really just about life. And so, no, it transcends, in my mind, it transcends uh, far beyond the oil field. Roe Patterson, CEO of BASIC, the author of Crude Blessings. Uh, how can people get uh, copies if they want to order it online or, or get a copy themselves? Well, you can you can uh, go to Amazon or you can go to eBooks. Um, you can also go to crudeblessings.com and uh, and you can get um, uh, get a copy. But uh, it's 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 readily available. Any final thoughts or anything uh, we forgot to mention or talk about? No, I think we covered it pretty good. I appreciate your time and uh, appreciate the interest.